of our conversation in prayer, and my hope is not that, you know, you feel inspired to pray for a couple of weeks, uh, though that is, I guess, uh, hopeful as well, but I, I want this to be something that uh, is deeper, that, that permeates every aspect of our life. I don't want to be people who've prayed for a couple of weeks through a conversation or series, and then we go back to our regular lives. I want this to uh, be habit-forming for us. I want prayer to be so ingrained in our lives that it's not something we do anymore, but it's who we become, right? Like, we know one another uh, based on certain uh, characteristic traits or attributes or, you know, quirky things. I want prayer to be the way that we are known in our community, that people know if they need prayer, they know where to go. If they need something from God, they know that you're a conduit, that I want prayer to become a habit for us. The habit of prayer is as important as it is difficult to create. Uh, But the saying is, sow a thought, reap an action, sow an action, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap character, sow character, reap destiny. I want prayer to no longer be something we do, but I want it to be who we are. I want it to be character forming for us. Those are lofty big goals, but that is my plan. And we're going to stay in prayer, and I'm going to keep prayer at the forefront of us as long as possible, because I want this to be who we become and who we are, that prayer is for us, and it's not for us. And by falling in love with prayer, we fall in love with God. And if you want a deeper or more meaningful or richer relationship with God, we find that that is formulated through prayer. And Second Chronicles 7 is kind of the underpinning of this conversation. And it says, And my people who are called by my name, humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their evil ways. Then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. We need forgiveness, and we need our land healed. Those aren't debatable. Those aren't up for question. We know this. This is fact proven over and over. Uh, we need our land healed, and we need forgiveness. This is the pathway forward to humble ourselves and pray together. And we've been doing that this past week. We've used Acts 2.42 as our uh, grounding for uh, gathering together. It says they gathered together daily, and and they they broke bread, and they prayed, and and confessed sins, and the Lord added to their number every day. And we said, let's get together every day. And so we've been praying through Zoom daily. If you have not joined a Zoom prayer meeting yet, I would encourage you, I would implore you to jump in. Uh, we've had uh, a consistent number at 9 a.m. And, and 6.30, but there's lots and lots of room for more. It's just 30 minutes of our time where we just carve out space together and we say, let's pray. And the first day we prayed, and I don't think she would remind me, uh, this is the second time Nicole's been mentioned today. The first time was before you walked in. Nicole prayed uh, Monday. Nicole was actually at work. I don't think you mind. If you do, just stop me. She was at work with a headphone in, and she said, hey, I'm at work. I can't pray, but I'm listening. And then she stepped out and prayed uh, on, a, on a break, I'm assuming. And, and her prayer was, God, strengthen us, because as we push in and we pursue God, things get more challenging. We just know that. I woke up the next day, it was a very hard morning for our family, and I go, I'm going to cancel prayer. Two days in, and I already said, I'm going to cancel prayer. I don't feel like it, right? When we don't feel like something, we don't do it. And I said, I was fine, I'm just, I just had people counting on me, there was accountability, they were, they were waiting for me to show up, so I had to show up. And then I was a bit vulnerable and said, hey, it was just a hard day, and I said, well, let's pray. And that, for me, in that moment, was like, 
everything for me. I'm like, I needed prayer. I found prayer. I didn't want to pray. I pushed through. And then the, the trajectory of the day and then the week following was, was up and to the right. And I'm like, that's the purpose. Like, I know I'm saying these words to you, but I'm now feeling them in my own heart. We don't do things just because we feel like it. If we're going to be people who are formed and disciplined by Christ, we're going to have to be people who start placing feelings in check. We're such a feel-good society. Make me feel better. And, and yet God is saying, this is time for us to uh, to work out the muscles of prayer, right? If you only go to the gym when you feel like it, which is probably all of us, which is why we're all the condition that we're in, right? If we do that because we feel like it, we're so inconsistent. But if we'll actually discipline ourselves, myself included, and go, we're going to make this uh, habit forming, then all of a sudden we see the long-term effects. Now, we want short-term effects, Right? I want to bake something and then pull the pie out and eat it. And I want to bake it and enjoy it all in one setting and done. And we think that gym works that way. We go to the gym. I want to all of a sudden, you know, feel this way. And it's not. It's long form. So we've got to have a long view of what God's doing in our hearts and in our lives. And we've had five consecutive days of prayer where we've joined together. We're going to do two more weeks. And I implore you to do it. If you don't understand Zoom, no one's going to blame you for that. It's confusing to all of us. Uh, we'd love to help you. I can meet with you after service and walk you through it. Uh, but we want you to join as often as possible because it's so essential that we gather together. It's 30 minutes because we are not trying to do prayer. We're trying to become prayer. We want it to envelop us. We want it to form us. And last week we talked about the Lord's Prayer. And praying the Lord's Prayer together is a train track or a formula. And, and, and today I want to look at prayer uh, not merely as, as a way to get things from God, but as a way to get to know God and his heart and his will for our lives, that prayer is striving to take hold of God. Prayer is moving closer to him, and we'll begin to comprehend the power that comes from prayer. Praying changes how we see the world. I think so many of us don't truly believe that God answers prayers, that we don't truly wield power from God, God doing the work, uh, channeling through our prayers. I don't think we truly believe that God is as big as we say he is. If we did, we wouldn't stop from praying. If we truly believe that God answered our prayers, heard from heaven and answered our prayers, we wouldn't stop. You couldn't stop us. And, and, and the moment we find this revelation, it changes, it reshapes our thoughts and our actions and our behaviors. It changes how we see people. It changes how we hear other people complain. Everybody has that coworker that just complains all the time. What does it look like for us to stop seeing it as a nuisance, but as an opportunity to pray? They're giving you the things that they need God to do in their lives. That we start to see the world the way God does. We start to see the needs and the hurt and the, the, the destitute. And what if I told you that you had the capacity to change the world that you live in? Your world, home and community and workspace. That through prayer you have the capacity and the power. I don't just mean the, the world in large, but you can start to see God do remarkable things in the people's lives around you. Because we have access to God who gives you and I great power, but we have to choose to use this power to help the people around us. We need to become conduits for those who don't know to pray or don't believe to pray. We must never wait until we feel like praying. We have to pray because we know the world needs it. We know the people around us need it. They're counting on us. And if somebody tells you they're having trouble or having a bad day, what does it look like for us to stop and go, well, let's just pray about it? I follow Christ, and I believe he hears from me, and I believe he, he uh, answers many of the prayers that I pray according to his will. So why don't we just take it before the Lord right now? 
What does it look like for us to stop being people who just think, well, that person needs help, and we step in. We become conduits to help because prayer, it's not just for us. So often it's been like, well, that's me and God and my conversation with him. And, and I want us to see prayer as a communal activity, communal responsibility. We have the opportunity to speak with God. So why not, why not speak to him on behalf of others? Why not bring before him the needs and the faces and the lives and the stories of other people? This is called intercession. Intercession is a, a big word for just simply praying for other people, for using the time that we stop and pray to, to invite God to do his best work in others, intervening on other people's behalf, that we can petition God on behalf of someone else. And, and in the scriptures we see in Acts 3, two of Jesus' disciples, uh, Peter and John, they're uh, heading to church, they're going to pray, and uh, they encounter a man in need, and in verse 1 it says, now Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer at three in the afternoon. And a man who was lame from birth was carried there and placed every day at the temple gates called Beautiful. So he could beg from those entering the temple complex. Verse three, when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple complex, he asked for help. Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. So he turned to them, expecting to get something from them. But Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Get up, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he raised him up, and at once his feet and ankles became strong. This is a fascinating passage. And a lot of people in a lot of spaces like this believe that this happened, but they believe that it stopped happening when uh, the apostles died. The last apostles were gone. Uh, God stopped uh, doing his best work. It's called cessationism. And we are not cessationists here. We believe that what God did in the scriptures, God can and will do today. We may not see it, but that does not mean God is not capable and willing to do it. But in context, Peter and John, they're going to uh, pray. There's a habit-forming prayer. Every day, 3 p.m., they go to the temple to pray. And as they're going, they see someone in need. They don't have money to give them. That might be the most relatable part of the story. They didn't have uh, money to give them, uh, but they had something better. They had something greater. And I love this idea that what they had wasn't monetary. It wasn't even tangible, but the effects of what they had to give this man altered the course of his life forever. And we have been invited, you and I, into this divine opportunity to pray for those who cannot pray for themselves. This is part of being in community. This is part of being in a faith community where we bind together, where a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So what does five and eight and 20 and 50 and 100 strands look like? That this is also part of what it means to be human, though. We have responsibility as humans to lift other humans up. Not just people in this space, but as uh, people all over the world need us. The problem is we have to have this thing to give them. Some of us are like, well, I'll just give you a couple of bucks, right? I'll just give you what you have initially asked for. And we, we give what we think we see, but not what God wants to do. And we have to tap into this divine power that comes from the Holy Spirit. And we have to have this right relationship with God. And we have to know his ways and know his will. And when we do this, we stop viewing prayer as a way to get something from God. We start using prayer 
as a way to get to know God better. I want to stay connected to the source. If I want to have something to give to all in need, then I have to stay connected to the source, right? Uh, so uh, Wally, first service attender, uh, knew that I was going to add some plugs to my outside garage. And so he brought me a bunch of stuff, being an electrician. He brought me a bunch of cables and plugs. And he said, if you'll run all of this in your garage, I'll actually connect it to the, to the box. Because that seems to be the most dangerous part, I guess. And he thought he should probably take care of it. So right now, I have plugs, and I have uh, uh, boxes, and I have cable, and it's not plugged into anything, and so there's no power. And a lot of us have all the right resources, but just not connected to the source. And we look around and we go, why is my life like this? Why am I powerless? Why are we coming up empty? Why do I keep losing? Why does the enemy keep kicking sand in my face? And it's simply because we have not connected to the source and we don't have this thing to give. So when we go to work and we go to school and we go to out, it's draining. It's just sucking the life out of us and we're just dragging by. And God says, I actually have a, a resource to you that can energize you that everyone in need could actually find what they need from God through us. This idea of praying for others is so deeply rooted in God's desires that all people come to know him. That no one is left without having the source of power to tap into. That we do not pray for people as things, but we pray for people as persons whom God loves. God cares so deeply for the people around us, and he's placed you in their lives for a purpose and for a reason. But the first thing we have to be willing to do is we have to be willing to step out. We have to be willing to step out. We can have all of this power and hold it in and, 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 and just be full of electricity, but never actually share it or spread it because we don't want to step out. And in Acts 3, it says, Peter, along with John, looked at this man intently, and they said, look at us. There's a focus there's a centrality, there's, a, there's, there's not a haphazard, this wasn't by accident, this was a, an intentional, you, I need your attention, you need my attention. There's a certain level, though, of comfort that we all live in. All of us do. We all live in a certain bubble of comfort, a circle around us uh, uh, of what's safe and what feels unsafe, and we go to the same places, and we talk to the same people, and we don't talk to people outside of our circles, and we kind of keep this, this safety boundary, and our brains like to keep us in our lane, and this keeps us safe, but it also prevents us from doing the will of the Lord many times. And most of us wouldn't say we live by fear, but we all stay in our lane, so fear's never really an issue. I don't have to step outside of what's comfortable to me, so I don't have to feel afraid. So I'll just stay here, and this seems to be the most basic point, but it's so critical. You have something beautiful, and if you truly understand the thing that you have, then you have to share it. It's not an option. But you and I, we refuse to look foolish, we refuse to feel foolish, and we don't want to be wrong. So I think a lot of times we don't step out and be willing to pray for other people because we don't want to feel foolish. Now, what we'll say is we don't want to make God look bad right? I don't want to step out and pray for someone's, you know, finances or their marriage or their whatever, because I don't want it to fall apart and fail, and then that makes God look bad. But we're really concerned about ourselves. We don't want to step out and, and be wrong or miss God. And yet so often we're missing opportunities to connect people to God. The intercession is putting yourself in God's place, not being God, but Putting yourself in God's place is having his mind and his will and his perspective. And when we petition God on behalf of others, we understand the importance of what we're doing. We're giving them this thing that we have, that they need, that praying for others isn't simply sympathy, though. 
Sometimes it starts with sympathy. You see someone, you feel bad for them, and you think, well, I should, I should step in and pray. But sympathy can only take us so far, out of sight, out of mind. Sympathy must move us and lead us to something deeper. More than, uh, we need to peti- more than we need to feel sorry for someone, we need to go to bat for them because God cares for them and God loves them. And there's this power in praying for a name, something specific. I found that a lot of our prayers end up being somewhat vague and ambiguous. And if we make them vague enough and ambiguous enough, we don't really have to know if God came through or not, so it doesn't have to hurt our faith, uh, yet we also don't get to celebrate what God has done. And so we often pray vague and ambiguous prayers around an issue, but what does it look like for us to actually pray for a face, a person, a story, something tangible? See, we can ignore uh, a, a need that might be ethereal or, or uh, might be a vague but we can't ignore a need when we see it in front of us. So my encouragement to you today, uh, even now if you want to, I want you to come up with a name. I want you to ask God, give me a name, a face, a person that I can pray for. And I want you to write that down. Write it in your phone or write it in your uh, piece of paper somewhere. And I want you to petition God on behalf of that person. That is us stepping out. That is us getting out of what's comfortable and starting to pray for a, a face and praying for a need. And the most powerful intercession starts with a face, with a person, and it's easy to ignore a need. But we can't ignore the people around us, and there are many biblical examples of standing in the gap or interceding for others. Abraham stood in the gap for his neighbor and saw it, and Moses stood in the gap when God was angry. Nehemiah stood up for the people of Jerusalem. Jesus gave his very life for us in this place, and there are people in your life waiting for you, waiting for you to stand up, to be the conduit, to be the Jesus that they're looking for to say, I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to walk through whatever you're going through with you. And you know they need prayer. You know they need something. So are you willing to do it? As humans, we're all in need of something. Are we willing to, to step up and, and, and petition God on behalf of others? We don't just pray for people we like. That's the thing. A lot of us are going, well, I like the guy next to me. I'll pray for them. And many times what happens is when we begin to pray for people we don't like, People we're in conflict with, God often changes that situation. God may not change that person, but he will change your perspective of that person. But what I know is you can't pray for someone long-term and not love that person. So if you're in conflict, if there's something going on between you and someone else, just start petitioning God, not to change them, but to change the us, the collective us, and see how he works in your life. Second thing we have to do is we have to be willing to step in. We have to step out, then we have to step in. Um, the scriptures in Acts 3 say, and a man who was lame from birth was carried to a place every day at the temple gate called Beautiful so he could beg from those entering the temple complex. I love the reality that this man who was lame from birth was placed in front of gates called Beautiful. That God sees beauty in our brokenness. He sees beauty in our brokenness because he sees the opportunity to step in and make all things beautiful again. And I love that these gates We're called beautiful, so we have a name, and now we have to find a need. We need to find a need. We have a name. You write a name down. I'm going to pray for this person. Now let's discover what we're actually going to pray for. We're not going to pray vague and ambiguous prayers. We're going to get it centered down so that we can celebrate the miraculous. We can see God work in real time. And what I've noticed is that I feel more comfortable uh, emailing or texting than actually talking to people face-to-face and asking for prayer. Hey, can you pray for me like this? Or, hey, how can I pray for you? I think there's something very powerful about us physically saying, uh, how can I pray for you? 
this week. I'm going to pray anyway. I'm going to pray every day, Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. for 30 minutes. The more people I can talk to and ask, the more I pray. And, uh, and so how can I pray for you? And, and what we're creating here is a place where in this space we're giving and receiving. That's cyclical. You come in here, you have a lot of needs. Great. We want to pray for you with the intention that you then uh, become strong and powerful and understand what God's doing through you. And then you start praying for other people as well. And we enter into this cycle of of receiving and and giving. And you give what you have and you receive something as well. and, 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 And you and I are starting to pray for one another, for each other. And then that begins to spread. And I have people ask me periodically, how can I pray for you? And I'm challenged with the same task. To, to message people or to ask them. But there are a couple of different ways that we can, we can find what people need. And, and, and the first is just asking. Hey, I'm going to pray. I talk to God. Uh, he, he, knows, he knows my name and he listens. How can I pray for you? The other way is just being involved in people's lives. And a lot of times we're not actively involved in people's lives outside of the church. And so uh, we don't necessarily know what's going on. And, and it's very important that we're involved in our lives here and beyond. And, and that's something that came up in our prayer this week as I noticed uh, someone started praying specifically for needs that are in the church. Some of them I knew and some of them I didn't. And I'm like, wow. And even now I'm seeing some people and I'm like, hey, we prayed for you this week. Like, you made, like Autumn, you were prayed for this week. I know. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. But your name came up. I didn't bring it up. Maybe I will next time. But it did come up. And it's so interesting that, that you start seeing people that you're sitting around who you may have talked to just in passing, and you may have said something that you needed or were going through, and they're now bringing your name up to God on your behalf, and you didn't even know. And that's so powerful in our community when we're involved in one another's lives. The third way is pray for people anyway. Just pray anyway. Every one of us watching online, here in the room, we all need something. So if we just pray for one another anyway, then we'll see God start to work, that praying for others begins by first quieting our fleshly activities and listening to God. See, many times if we'll ask, God will reveal us some things that we can pray for others. That a lot of us put our own uh, projections onto God in prayer, and many times if we'll actually start with God, it'll change what we pray for, that we must hear, know, and obey the will of God before we pray it into others. A lot of times we're not praying God's will for others. It may be God's will that you go through the circumstances, but we can pray for strength. We can pray for wisdom. We can pray for God to get his way. That a lot of times we pray our will because we've missed God's will. And so we connect with God and we connect with others. And in Romans 8, it says, in the same way, the Spirit also joins to help in our weakness. Because we don't know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. There are things that are happening And the spiritual that we don't always understand, and yet we know they're happening, and so we trust that God is working and moving, but we can't ignore people's needs. So often we ignore people's needs. Nothing proves God's strength, though, more than seeing someone's needs met. And I love this story of Peter and John because they're walking to the temple. They're going to pray. They're focused, but they don't have tunnel vision. They're aware of someone in need, and all of a sudden they stop and they take time to, to pray that God would work in their lives. And, and so often we get stuck in tunnel vision and we miss the needs that are already in front of us. That God moves things in front of us all the time, but we have to be aware. And Peter and John, they stop and they, they take care of this specific need because it's something they saw. But here's what I think is wonderful about this specific situation is that a, a lot of times we pray for the need we think we see and not what God wants to do. So Peter and John could have stopped and prayed for this man to have financial wealth. 
God, take care of this guy. Uh, he needs some money. Obviously, he's been begging every day, so help him, you know, win the lottery or, you know, whatever. Have, take care of his financial need, but that was surface. And a lot of our prayers are surface because they're what we see. But what we have to do is dig deeper to the core of the issue and begin to invite God into that issue. For this man, the issue was that he couldn't work. He was paralyzed. So they could have prayed for him to have some more money, and God could have blessed him financially, but he would have eventually been in the same situation. His life wouldn't have been changed. It was a Band-Aid, and a lot of our prayers are Band-Aid prayers. When God wants to deal with the core of the issue, this man was lame from birth, so let's deal with that. I don't know what's going on in your life. And a lot of us just want to pray alleviating of suffering. But God actually wants to get to the core of the issue, and he wants to change the trajectory of your life and not just patch things up. The third thing we have to do is we have to be willing to step out. We have to step out. We have to step in. But I think it's time that all of us step up. We're being called as a church to more. We're being called to more. It's time that we are people who are actively involved in what's happening here as a church. It's time that we uh, see more people stepping up to pray and stepping up sometimes that may be to give financially bigger or that may be to volunteer more often or, or whatever. But it's time that we, as God's people, step up. If you do the same thing you've always done, yeah, you get the same results. And our church is somewhat of a byproduct of that. We're in year four uh, of my time here, and I don't, no, can't speak to before that. But if we keep doing the same things we've always done, we get the same results, but we want to see increase. We want to see God do bigger things, greater things. And, and if we're willing to step up, we'll start to see that things start to change. We're not going to do the same things we've always done. And the more you step out, the more you step up. The more you trust God in the little things, the greater your faith is, and you start asking God for more. See, a lot of us will come to God and we'll ask for great big things. We don't really even truly believe he'll do it. And then we go, well, see, I told you we wouldn't do it. But we don't even trust him for the small stuff. Why petition him on the big things? He said, let's start small. Let's start very small. It just takes the faith of a mustard seed to move a mountain. So let's start there. Let's start with just a little faith to do a little thing. And then let's allow that to uh, build our momentum, build our faith trust, and start to see that we trust him for more. And if we don't have faith to see God do small things, we'll never have faith to see him do big things. And God does all things in answer to prayer. And so we all face these moments where we have to muster up courage to step out. But once we do, we start to see that that momentum is, is in our lives. And you might just have to really suck it up and ask one person, hey, can I pray about that? You've been talking about it, complaining about it for a while. Can we just take it before God? And then you pray, and you go, man, that wasn't that hard. And you go, who's next? Who's next? And then you're opening office hours, and you're like, come on, line up. And you're praying for everybody because it starts to change the trajectory of our lives, and our faith begins to grow. And we think that the next moment we have to step out will be a little easier, but it's usually not. Faith always feels uncomfortable. It's always a little scary. If you're not scared, then we're probably not stepping up. We're just stepping adjacent. But there's always a measure of uncomfortability, but we need faith. And God gives us the strength and the courage, and we move forward. So step out of what's comfortable. Step into whatever God has for you, and step up to whatever is next. And then watch what happens in Acts 3, verse 8. So the man jumped up. He stood. He started to walk. And he entered the temple complex with him, walking, leaping, and praising God. Can we pause here for just a second? We believe that the scriptures are real, not a fairy tale, not a movie script. This 
actually really happen in real time? Can we just place ourselves in that moment for just a second? What if we were here and we just saw this happen? It would be crazy. And yet, God is capable of doing crazy things. And it says the response in verse 9, all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they recognized that he was the one who was sitting at the gate and begged at the beautiful. So they were filled with awe and astonishment at what had happened to this man. When was the last time we were filled with awe and astonishment at what God has done? When was the last time? When was the last time God did something so obvious and so clear that it left us in awe and astonishment? When people saw this great victory in this man's life, their response was to praise God. Now, here's what we want to do as a church. We want more people coming to praise God. But what if the real issue is we need to create awe and astonishment in people's hearts? What if we need to reignite people's passion for God and belief that he's capable of doing something remarkable? What if our faith has become dormant? What if it's become flat? And what if we reignite? We don't want to just invite a bunch of people to church. What if people came excited and ready with anticipation that we have to fight this desire, though, to take the credit? This is not on us. And we're praying. There's several of us that are praying daily, and God's going to answer our prayers. Uh, He can't ignore us. There's there's many of us that are getting together, and we're praying the same prayers over and over for you and for our church and for our country and on and on. We don't take the credit. All the credit goes to God. The victory that we see in others' lives is a testimony of God's goodness and his love for everyone. We get to be part of that. We're the conduit. And there are people in your life that are desperately wanting you to step out and step up and to step in. They're waiting. They don't know. They don't know they're waiting on you, but they're waiting on you. So we have to build this in spaces in our lives where we're intentionally praying for people, meals and in morning and night and afternoon or whatever, and we choose to intercede for others. We must go into an understanding that it may not be quick. We want quick microwave prayers. I want to pray this and then magic and it's done. And, and sometimes it takes weeks, months, years for God to work and move in the way that we've asked him to. But we don't quit. We don't relent. We don't stop. We keep pursuing. We keep moving. And I want to squash this habit of saying I'll pray for you. I want us just to be people who act. People who do. People who walk in this way. This is who we are. And we have to avoid uh, intercession and prayer for other people just to patch a situation. We need to invite God to the root of the issue. And we had this, uh, this weird scenario happen uh, for uh, my son and I were uh, exploring this building. He does that sometimes, often. And uh, we were out there, and I was exploring an abandoned building with him. And I walked out, and some guy had seen us. And I, I'm always afraid I'm going to go to jail. So if I ever do go to jail, just know that's why. Um, I was just trying to support him. And uh, it's a YouTube channel. He'll plug it if you ask. But uh, I'm there, and we walked out. And this guy asked, he said, I am the caretaker. The door wasn't supposed to be unlocked. And I'm like, we're sorry we didn't spray paint anything or tear stuff up and he's like that's okay he's like I need to go check it but my leg hurts I was like okay cool you know I don't know you you know cool you have a leg problem uh and he starts to tell me I gotta have surgery I'm like okay man like I don't know you and and he starts pouring his life out and in that moment God said this is probably a time for you to pray and I'm like, I thought I might get arrested, and now I'm praying for a guy uh, on a street corner, and, 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 and in that moment, it was an opportunity, and it would have been easy to ignore and easy to move on, and I've done that a million times, so there's no credit for me. But in that moment, I'm like, that might have been transformative for him. I don't know. 
I don't know what happened. I may never see him again, or he may be running around in the street. But regardless, we all have these moments. We all have these opportunities, and they often sneak up on us when we're not expecting it because we're not living with awe and astonishment at who God is and what he's capable of doing. We're living with this. And I'm not, I'm not like being mean because I live the same way. I'm like, I'm just going to get through life. And God's going, I want to do so much more. We've got to step up. We've got to step in, and we've got to be willing that God desire for us to be praying people, people who are communing with him frequently and, and, and listening to him and, and speaking uh, after hearing from him and, and moving after he tells us to move. And when we find ourselves praying deeper and past the surface and past just patching things up, we all of a sudden start find that the power of prayer is evident in others' lives. And that's what I want for us. That's what I want for us, that in religion we pray to God because he's useful, but in Christianity, we pray because God is beautiful. So if we can come to a place where we believe that God is beautiful and powerful and desires to do big work, I won't have to ask you to pray. I won't myself have to wake up and be, oh, yeah, I got to pray today. I almost forgot. It will be so important to us. We can't not pray. And that's where I want us to be. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Father in heaven, this morning, uh, we're... We're called to prayer. So God, move us, move our hearts, move our lives, reorient our schedules so that we may make prayer a priority, that prayer will not be something that we have to manufacture, but it will just be a, an overflow, an outpouring of our hearts and our desire for you. We've become so enamored with uh, things of this world, so God, help us to, uh, to, to rediscover our awe and our astonishment for you and the things from above that you, you desire to work, but we've become so complacent with the things that we can manufacture that we're missing out on the beautiful. And so God, this morning, we ask that you would shift our focus from what we can see into what only you can see. So God, even now, there's a name and there's a story, a situation, a need in every one of our hearts and every one of our minds. So God, we just put this person or these people in front of you. We ask you to do the big things. We ask you to do the small things. We ask you to move and work in all of our lives so that people in our community and beyond will look and say, God is real. He's working and he's moving among us for your glory. In Jesus' name, if you would, let's stand across the